one. Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted Exchanges. We are sitting here in the beautiful Cincinnati, Ohio weather. Cole, how the heck are you? Yeah, I'm always, I like to say I'm always pretty fantastic. Um, I'm pretty gassed up today. We've got a guest on. I know Hayden, you're going to do the introduction. He's been practicing this in the mirror, Casey, for a while now, so I'm going to let him do the introduction. I walked into the house today to do this recording, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just getting the nerves out, dude. No, I'm kidding. But super excited to be here uh, uh, at this episode today. We've got Casey Adams on, and I'm going to let Hayden do a little introduction, and then Casey will just get rocking. Heck yeah. I thought you I thought you were going to steal the thunder from me over I there, thought, Cole. I, I thought about it, and I saw this look in his eyes like, don't you dare take this from me. So... <laughs> So uh, we first just want to introduce our awesome guest, Casey Adams, to the show. Casey is an American entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and a social media uh, expert. He has amassed over hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. Uh, he's a fitness enthusiast as well. He does it all. I really don't know how he does it all, Cole, uh, but we're excited to have him on the show today. A uh, very uh, exceptional human being. Like I said, he does all sorts of things. So uh, we're looking to learn more about his journey, his experience, his expertise, and a whole bunch more. Welcome to the show, Casey. Hayden, Cole, thank you so much for having me here today. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So tell us once more, uh, Casey, uh, kind of how did you kind of get to where you are today? I know uh, you run a podcast yourself called the Casey Adams Show. Uh, we've tuned into a few of your episodes, but uh, just give us a little bit more of a background about your story. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, appreciate you guys having me on. I, I know I said this before we started recording, but love the setup. It, it looks incredible. So excited to dive in today. But yeah, for those that don't know, you know, I I live in LA now, but I grew up in a small town right outside of Virginia. And growing up, I, I played sports my entire life, hockey, football, lacrosse. And like just to give context, even like before really diving into the story, you know, I, I've had my podcast for five and a half years now interviewed hundreds of different entrepreneurs. I recently built and sold a tech company called Media Kits, and I'm 22 years old at the moment. And my whole journey into entrepreneurship started when I was 16 and, and where I was getting to where I grew up playing sports my whole life, hockey, lacrosse, and then sophomore year of high school, I was playing football and being, you know, 5'5 with aspirations to play in college, you know, my, my, my dreams got cut short to say the least, where I ended up getting nearly paralyzed when I was 16. Mm -hmm. I was in, uh, funny enough, this is the first time that I'm able to show this, but if you're watching this video right now, there's this trophy right here in the back hand corner of my room. And that's actually a, a neck brace on top of the trophy that I had to wear for six months wow. um, when I was 16 years old. And it was during this six month journey of my life when I was nearly paralyzed in a neck brace for six months where I was just, like any 16 year old kid would be depressed, mm -hmm. not sure what I want to do with my time, my life. I was angry and, you know, pissed at the world. And it was really during that time when I had to look inward because I was used to getting home from school, um, you know, going to practice, playing sports, having all my friends around me to therefore being bedridden and just in the worst mental space I've ever been in. And it was throughout that time when I quickly, or I shouldn't say quickly, but stumbled into this whole world of personal, develop, personal development, entrepreneurship, sort of by accident, by just spending all my time here on social media and on YouTube and following different people. And, you know, with the algorithms, I, I just really went down the rabbit hole of people like Tony Robbins and at the time, Gary Vaynerchuk and being 16 and, you know, driven and ambitious, whether that's sports or in school, um, I just, kind of shifted gears and started learning about marketing and branding and podcasting, all things social media, just business in general. And it was throughout that period of time where I came out on the other side, just fully immersed in learning about social media, starting my own company, which is a Facebook advertising business when I was 16, like looking to manage social media for local businesses. Um, and then one thing led to the next, the podcast, and you know we'll, we'll get into all the, the depths of the story, but that led to the podcast and you know the whole ambition of starting the show was wanting to meet world-class entrepreneurs because I came from an environment in a small town where 
I didn't know anyone, no relationships, no ties to any like business networking opportunities. And the podcast was, in my opinion, a great way to meet people, learn something and create business opportunity, which led to, uh, you know, different companies and, and much, much more. Hell yeah, man. That's a heck of a story. You're fired up over well, there, Cole. Yeah, I mean, you know, me, Casey, uh, yeah, I don't know if you've listened to a lot of our episodes. I get, I'm pretty easily entertained. And when I hear a really good story, I get really like, I almost want to get up and move around and like, and like just get like, I'm fired up. And kind of what I was, what I was hearing from you, Casey, which is, gets me excited. And I just love to hear that is, is you had this, like this, this energy and you had to use it. You had to get an outlet, right? So you're playing all these different sports and doing all these different things. And then this traumatic life event happens, right? Which is, I mean, some people have like traumatic life event. It's like, oh, like I wrecked my car. And you're like, oh, my traumatic life event was like, I almost paralyzed myself. And that is very, very, very traumatic at, at a young age, right? And I can, I can go back to when I was, you know, 16, 17 years old when I was playing sports and involved in all that stuff. And, and think about like, what would that have meant to me as a human being, as, as somebody that like poured so much of my identity into those things if i if i'd gotten football or like basketball and baseball if i'd get those taken away from me i don't i i can't i can't imagine what what i would have thought and how i would have felt and and the underlying story that you told is what i love the most is that you took that traumatic life event and i'm sure it was very 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 tough for mentally emotionally but you found a way to channel your energy that you weren't channeling into sports and you said, okay, this isn't my outlet. I, I, maybe I can't do this now, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not dead. I'm, I'm, I'm breathing. I can still do stuff. So you shifted your mindset into that of, let me figure out how I can sharpen my mind, how I can, how I can still get that creative outlet that I need and still get that energy out into business. I mean, you don't hear a lot of people, a lot of people will tell these stories uh, I'm going to give you some kudos right now. They'll tell these stories about, you know, at 15 or 16 or 14 years old, I was, you know, selling lemonade. And then by the time I was 25 and I I want to take a minute to like give you some serious props and applause for the fact that your story is, is built off of like a real, real, real impact that you've made at such a young age. You know, I mean, and Hayden and I aren't super old. I mean, I'm 29. I think you're still 29. But it gets me so excited to hear from somebody that's my that's that's younger. It's motivating to me to hear somebody that's gone out and done it and is like still so hungry for the information and to learn and to get better. It's all. I mean, think about this. What's what's the future hold for Casey? That would be my question, right? Because you got so much more path ahead of you. So that's just. I love it. I love I love the story. I appreciate that. It's pretty exciting. I, I think one thing I'll add on to that real quick here is, Casey, with all the success that you've had uh, up to this point in your career, your life, how do you deal or have you dealt with ageism? Because, you know, let's let's be honest, you are relatively young. Have people kind of looked at you as, oh, why would I want to spend any time with Casey Adams? Like, what does he have to offer? And like, what advice would you give to any young entrepreneur or really any person that might be dealt with? Well, I'm kind of facing ages. I'm like age to me is a number, but what are your thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and real quick too, like just to your point, Cole, you know, I, I think just for, even from an age perspective, but just my entire journey, especially in the early days, you know, this was not, you know, a part of my plan, right? Like, I, I think for me, and I now I've learned over the course of life and having interviewed so many people, it's like a lot of the most successful people in the world, you know, they don't plan <laughs> that, like, all the steps to get exactly to where they are. You know, one of my favorite quotes from, from Steve Jobs is, you can never connect the dots looking forward, only looking backwards, where you can really reflect and understand. Ooh, sorry about that. And, and understand that journey. And for me, it was very similar, you know, like taking that step to, want to even go down the rabbit hole of business and entrepreneurship like that was not what my uh plan you know in my eyes was going to be and i think from a ageism question specifically you know over the years i've always used age to my advantage and and quite frankly i think i not always will but it's about the context of situations right like i know when i'm 29 right i'm 22 now when i'm talking to 
younger people. I'll be able to use my age, hopefully in a way to shed light and guidance of what I've experienced to people that are younger. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the same is true where, you know, from age 16 to 18, I did over 250 interviews with, you know, some of the most successful people in the world from Andy Frisella's to Elon Musk's mom, to the founders of Twitch and Netflix and all these world-class entrepreneurs and even someone like Gary Vaynerchuk. And for me, it was always the drive and hunger and curiosity to be in the room. I never felt that I was unworthy. I, I felt that I was, it was such an opportunity to be speaking to these people. And I think the the reciprocation of respect and the ability to want to teach from other people, right? When, when they're talking to someone that's 16, 17, 18, I think is so strong and young people should embrace that. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say there's a, a cutoff period, but I think, you know, I'm 22 now. And over the last year and a half, I launched a tech company. We've, we've raised $1.5 million and we got acquired in 18 months. And I think prior to that though, like when it comes to the actual doing, right? Like when you're young, you need to just be soaking up as much information as possible. And when you're in these rooms, like you cannot have an ego. I, I've always thought that one of my superpowers is just the emotional intelligence of um, not only just being humble, but bringing to the the room in the world a sense of curiosity mm-hmm. and the ability to learn from anyone, older or younger, no matter what their background is, the janitor, the CEO. I think there's there's so many interactions that, you know, might be cliche to say that, but I think from an ageism perspective to really like hit the nail on the head here, um, it just comes down to a passion for learning. And if you're someone who's young and you're, you know, you're fortunate to either put yourself in these rooms, you're, you're grinding away to, to hopefully meet people. Like don't look at age as a disadvantage, but make the most of it because it's something that, you know, you only get to go through once, whether that's your 16, 17, even 25 to 30, even older, right? Like I think age is, and even to just side up before we wrap up on this point, um, my girlfriend, she's 29, right? We have an age gap. And I think the the ageism in all aspects of life, of business, of relationships, I've never let it deter or, you know, um, just change what I think about it or or others. And I think that's the beauty of it, right? Like when you meet so many people and they're like, wow, I feel like I'm 20 years old in my mind, you quickly learn that and not only age is just a number, but it's it's not the age that you are, it's how you feel and how you act. And I believe there's there's so much to embrace if you're someone that's young in the business world. Well, and I think uh, one of the points I like, Casey, and, and this is something I didn't learn till I got older and I got through that, that I got through that ego, uh, is, the, is the fact that it's not necessarily about your age, but how you interact with others and how well you listen and how well you, you engage or relate. And for me, you know, hearing you talk about that, it sounds like one of your superpowers and one of the things that you've learned really quickly is that you don't have to just agree with everything everybody says. But there's, I, I like to, I like to follow this rule. If you have a conversation with somebody, if it's an hour, if it's two hours, three hours, if you get one thing out of there that you didn't have before, you're winning. You you you're one step ahead. So you don't have to agree with everybody. You don't have to like what everybody says. But if you listen and you try to relate and you keep an open mind, and I, I just got to say that's that's something for our young listeners to write down, beat into their brain, just take take a mental note, is that you don't have to agree with everybody to get something out of the conversation. You don't have to you don't have to 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 take a hard stance or voice it or be confrontational. Have an open mind, be curious, ask the right questions. And if you do that, age isn't so much a factor, right? Because a lot of the times people will say, well, he's just young. They're only saying that because, you know, you might have argued a lot, right? Which is a lot of younger <laughs> people like to argue and like to take their stance. And that's fine. But I, I just, I, I like the point you made there. And I think you you clearly learned that very early on. Uh, and I think that's something great for our, our listeners to take away, especially our younger listeners and even older. There's never a right time to to start learning how to listen and, and relate to people. Yeah. Totally. I like how Casey also didn't call us old, so really appreciate that. <laughs> listen, I got great hair. I, okay, we got two oh, kids, man. I'm oh, giving you grace. <laughs> oh my word, my daughter goes, I just got my hair cut, Casey. Listen, she goes, I have a nine-year-old and like a almost two-year-old. My nine-year-old okay. goes, 
she goes, Dad, you're really getting a lot of gray hair. And I'm like, you've got to be getting me. So I lift my head up and I'm like, this is, I'm like, I'm only 29. I'm, I'm getting, I'm like, so now I'm just telling myself that it just, it just shows wisdom. I said, I'm showing wisdom in my hair. And that's all, that, that's yeah. all, that's how I'm keeping positive about it. That is great. <laughs> so Casey, I want to dive into something else that you recently brought up a few minutes back. So you started uh, Media Kits, and I believe that got recently acquired. Tell us how you kind of stumbled upon um, that opportunity. And, and apologies, maybe stumbled upon is not the right way of describing it. But what made you think that that was a great opportunity to pursue? Um, and then obviously it was a great opportunity because there was a need for it and it ended up getting acquired. Yeah. So, you know, media kits, we, we started the company in 2020, but there was a, this is the beauty of it. There was years, almost like everything, right? Year, years of build up to the right time. And, the, you know, in our opinion, the right opportunity. And, um, you know, growing up in Virginia for context, I didn't go to college, right? I literally a month after high school, I, I moved out to Arizona with some of my closest friends. We were running a events company out there and, I was also in the influencer marketing space and doing, you know, social media advertising and all this stuff. And and also, you know, from a podcast perspective, interviewing tons of people and uh, sitting down with a lot of creators. So I was just like in the social media creator scene for, you know, my entire career thus far. And what my co-founder and I and what led to the even the idea for it was one of our good friends, his name's he goes by JR Garage on YouTube. He's a big automotive creator. And I met him when I was living in Virginia. They were living in up, up in DC. And he came to us one day and my buddy Kieran, who was co-founder as well, he, he said, hey guys, uh, Pennzoil reached out to me. They wanted to do a brand deal with me, but they asked me for my media kit. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, can you guys help make me one? So we're like, sure. We go to Canva, Photoshop, we make them a media kit, which if people don't know what a media kit is, it's more so like a digital resume for mm -hmm. a creator where you have all your social media statistics, maybe, uh, your statistics, maybe your past work and just who you are. It's your resume. So we built someone, we get screenshots of social data. We're typing in numbers manually. We're making it look good. We send it to him. And by no means are we graphic designers. We send it to him. He gets the deal. And then a couple of weeks later, he comes back to us and was like, Hey guys, Ferrari contacted me. They want to fly me down to Daytona beach, Florida. And I uh, do this whole activation. Can you update my media kit? Because all my numbers are outdated. I had this video go viral. I just want to change it up. Mm -hmm. um, different brand presented differently. We're like, sure. And that's really when we asked ourselves, you know, why isn't there a way for creators to create a media kit mm -hmm. instantaneously with real-time data and analytics that never gets outdated? So you don't have to go back and update it like we were doing. And then on the flip side, why isn't there a way for brands to view trusted and accurate data represented by a creator? Because it's so easy to say like, oh, you're actually, you know, you have, you know, 43% engagement rate and, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand followers more and they have to go and check it all. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much of that in the, in the, in the industry. And this was 2018 at the time, right? When we were like, moving out to Arizona and, you know, by no means do I have any tech experience, do I, by no means do I have any uh, like venture capital raising money experience by any means. So we thought it was a good idea. And my co-founder, he was building out a, an agency. I was super heavily focused on the podcast. So we ended up shelving the idea and didn't know if we were going to come back to it or not. And then fast forward to um, like mid, early to mid 2020, is right when TikTok was really starting to blow up, mm -hmm. we started seeing this, you know, emergence of the resurgence of the creator economy. All these creators, we like to say, were being minted overnight. And that's really when we just came back to the idea. We're like, hey, like no one's done, um, no one's done this media kits idea. We have this domain, mediakits.com. It's fun, like great domain. Like maybe we should revisit it. And then that led to us just initially bootstrapping it for a little bit, putting ideas together, trying to scrap together designs. And then probably like four or six months um, before 2020 was over, we were like, hey, let's go actually do this. Let's raise money. Like, let's do this for real. And by that time, I've had the podcast for years. I have all these incredible relationships from the show. And I think just a side note as well, and what I always think for any podcaster or anyone out there that's um, like doing something in the creative field, it's like, how does it bring value to you outside of the content itself? So for mm -hmm. me, the podcast always and still is about building high quality relationships with people, mm -hmm. not for the 
not for the uh, not in a way where it's like I I want to gain something from these people, but it's like how can I build high quality relationships with these people, deliver and bring value to them in different ways. And I know that by doing that and the compound effect of just being a value, being of service, it will compound in a great way. So fast forward to early 2021, go out to raise capital, which again, didn't have any experience in. And, you know, ended up raising a, a pre-seed round within four or five, six months. You know, it wasn't the easiest things by any means. And it definitely took a lot of counsel to help get the process done. But we raised just over a million dollars, like around 1.5. I brought on a great team and then launched the product in August of 2021. We had this big launch party here in LA. We had Wiz Khalifa perform. We had like 700, like some of the biggest creators. And we had 37 different angel investors. And one note that I like to say is pretty much 90 to 95% of those investors were uh, previous guests on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And it was like the correlation of just like years of building relationships and those touch points kind of coming together in a full circle moment revalidated not only why I do the show, but just the value of not only just podcasting, but the medium and what it can do for you. Um, then we launched the product. But I'll pause there because there's so much in in the, you know, launching the product and lessons in there. But that's more so how the idea for Media Gets came about. And I think, um, you know, the maturity of it, again, like it wasn't an overnight idea. We executed it. It was like years of of just seeing the industry, knowing that we have a unique lens, being young and being in the industry, and then just trying to be very, very uh, like specific about the problem we're solving because, you know, at the time, so many of these different creator tools were launching and we just tried to, we like to say like inch wide, mile deep, very hyper-focused on like the best media kit tool to exist. And that's what we did. So, I love it. I want to come to, um, I mean, there's a lot to pick apart. So I appreciate that you've hosted the. I mean, you had your own podcast. You've done it for long. I appreciate the fact that you know when to stop and be like, I know you've got some questions or comments. I'm going to give you the time. I appreciate that. Because sometimes of course. guests are like, and it's like you don't want to interrupt guests by any means. You want them to keep going. And they'll keep going and going and going and going. you're like, you can't even like process everything you're saying. Like, I'm not going to go back and listen to this just to be able to ask yeah. questions. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, the, one, the one thing that I want to kind of hone in on as you're going back to when you guys first thought of the media kits is it, what I, what I thought was super, super interesting about that, that an initial thought was when, when you said, okay, we got somebody that reached out and, and validated what we could do, right? You're like, we put some stuff together. So what was your, what was your journey like in between when you've got some validation that there's a market for it and to actually getting the first product launch? Because I think a lot of, a lot of the time, you know, you you hit the nail on the head is I'm not a graphic. We're not graphic designers. We're not software developers. Right. So I, I think a lot of people stop when they when they start thinking, well, I can't do this. Can you tell me how you were able to find those resources and work through that process? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think, you know, again, like from uh, from the idea of not being software developers, no tech experience, it's like my not even myself, like my co-founder and I, we both were not technical. We didn't have a technical co-founder. Right. So it's like all the chips are stacked against us from like mm -hmm. fundraising and the ability to maybe build unless you know bring on key people, which we did. But yeah, I mean, I, I think to your question, when we had this idea and we wanted to go find a designer to you know bring it together, even before that stage, it was just putting the idea on paper, you know, a Google form and sending a link to friends of ours that are creators saying like, do you have a media kit? Like, do you know what a media kit is? Like, if so, attach one to PDF and just what problems are you, have you faced when creating a media kit? Like, what do you like about creating a media kit? Has a media kit actually helped you get brand deals? Like right. these questions that just are validating to us. And, you know, maybe we sent that to 10, 15, 50 people, over the course of a couple months of just trying to get feedback. And I think that was, um, at least for us, like all the validation we needed from a lot of this initial surveying of like, wow, people see a need here. Like they would love real-time data. I'd never have to go and update it. That's something mm -hmm. that they either pay someone for, especially if you're a, if you're someone that manages creators at scale or musicians or, you know, athletes, you know, if you have 50 or 15 different clients, you have to go out, update all these media kits. It's very tedious to just go do that. So we instantly saw that people, you know, had this problem and there was obviously an opportunity and it, again, it validated it. And then from the, from the bootstrapping mentality, you know, finding graphic designers, I think that's the beauty of 
not only podcasting, but just being so on social is like you can meet so many people that have different skill sets where we had a, a friend of ours that was a, a graphic designer. We met him at an event and he's not a graphic designer, a UI UX designer and I like had experience in building products. He was early at Fiverr. Um, his name's Sagi. He's, he's incredible. And he was able to just help so much in the early stages. Um, and I think just that idea of we didn't go out and try to hire engineers and do all this stuff first. We're like, let's just make it look great and work with a with someone that can really bring the product idea to life. And not to say that's the the best way to do it by any means, or am I like an expert in any sense? But for us, it was such a visual product of we wanted a creator to go from oh, a brand hit me up asking for a media kit. Let me just connect my social platforms on media kits, and then within sixty seconds have this beautiful design like media kit that saves them hours and hours of work. And, and the key there is like beautiful because you want your media kit to represent you in a great way and you're a creator. So the design and the look and feel of it was super important. And we spent a lot of time and just effort, initial money before even raising to bring those ideas to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously we were like, hey, this is not sustainable. We need to go raise some capital. And that's what we did. So so going into the the next phase, which is you know, I, I like how you explained that you you really focused on it needs to look beautiful. It needs to be beautiful. It needs to be presentable. You know, you understood your audience. That's what they need, especially if they're marketing to a big brand. They got to say, hey, not only is it up to date and pulling the most current da- data and information, but it's also looks good, right? It's got to be presentable and, and look good. So so going from that, tell, tell me a little bit about your, your fundraising. Like what? So I love that you, you brought up the 37th angel investors and a majority of them were from your show. Like that's, that's awesome. That's, that's networking. That's building the right relationships. Can you tell me about how that, that process went for you? And did you go into that saying, Hey, I want to exit, you know, and this is my exit strategy. Or did you go into it saying, Hey, you know, this is what we're doing. This is the potential and not sure whether we want to exit or not, but you know, here's what your return can be. Like, how did you, how did you approach that? Yeah. I mean, by no means did we plan or expect to receive an acquisition within, it was like 12 months after initially launching. Yeah. We launched August, 2021 and we got acquired, um, August or early September, 2022. And I think, you know, when it comes to raising capital, again, I, I'm by no means a, a, an expert by any means, but there was a couple of mentors that were just foundational in the early stages of laying out the fundraising process, like helping with all the documentation and like doing it in a way that was not only legitimate, but structured. Mm-hmm. Um, two people in particular, one um, a mentor, his name's Aristotle Loomis phenomenal entrepreneur. I I always make sure to give him love because he was just someone that, you know, I I think when it comes to mentors in your life, some come and go, but some can be so critical at a certain time and be so hands-on, not to say that they always have to be, but, you know, having great people around us, like really helped us understand and execute with confidence, having those people in our corner. And I think that's super important for young founders. Um, but you know, going into it, it was absolutely just painting this vision of we are building the industry standard of what cross-platform data analytics needs to be for creators. And I think in 2021, obviously funding environment was completely different um to today. But just that journey in and of itself, I learned so much, not only from a, just the fundraising, but from selling, from investor relations, from, you know, the accountability to, to build something that, you know, you have people that their money is right. right. It's, re- it's really, really, and, I mean, it's really, I mean, it's real. It's your money, but it's really real when you've got other people's money that are counting on you. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, you know, one, one guy I interviewed, unfortunately he, um, he passed away a year and a half ago. His name is Trevor Moad. He was the brain trainer for Russell Wilson um, on the Seattle Seahawks. And he always he has this quote, and it's pressure is a privilege. And the way he talks about this, this saying, I think is so powerful because I think as a young founder, and even someone that's not even young, like the ability to 
stack pressure obviously you don't want to just unnecessary pressure but with anything in life from the you know the most successful ceos like they have so much pressure on them but if you learn to just look at pressure as a privilege like you you get to have this pressure to perform with th these stakes i think it's such a powerful thing and you know being 20 at the time raising you know 1.5 million dollars not even just the money but from the most like trusted and respected people in my network mm -hmm. you know there's, uh, that obviously comes with a level of of pressure. Mm -hmm. And I think that that quote always came to my mind and was a very uh, just important note to reference on a daily basis that not only pushed me and the team, but something that I always reflect on and, and even taken on my journey today. Because I think that that simple idea of pressure as a privilege is a, it's a beautiful thing, not even just from an investor perspective, but in all of life, right? From beating times in a marathon to like wanting to perform the best in a relationship. Like this, there's, there's so much to it, but um yeah, I think that the fundraising process, there was a lot to it. But more than that, just the actual building product, building team, like building brand, um, like get finding that product market fit. I, there, it was just such a phenomenal experience for me as someone that has previously never built anything in tech. And, uh, I, you know, learned more than I could ever imagine in that process. I love it all, man. There's so many uh, good points that you've been bringing up over the last few minutes and really throughout the entire conversation here. I want to slightly switch gears a little bit. Uh, I've, I've done a little bit of homework. I try to for any of our guests coming on the show, and I want to make sure I get this right. So I am going to read uh, off my notes here. So you've written a book called Rise of the Young, How to Turn Your Negative Situation into a Positive Outcome and Build a Successful Personal Brand. Based on the work that I've seen from your portfolio, you're really good at building a personal brand. I don't want to steal the thunder from your book here, but if you could give like two or three tidbits of information around what does it take to build a great personal brand, what would you share? Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny because, you know, when, when I put up that book, I was 17 at the time and I, I self-published it and I just got it out there. And, you know, I looked at it as, just another piece of content, right? Like I, I was, I had friends that were publishing books and people that I were interviewing and I was like, Hey, I'm talking about personal branding a lot on social media. I'm obviously like documenting the process myself. And the book was just a great outlet to put ideas to paper. And I think just over the years too, my, my thought process and I should say like the importance of personal branding, I think you see it time and time again, and it only has become more important over time, right? Like when you think about in the context of someone like Elon Musk, the most powerful businessman um, like in the world, and in, in my opinion, like his personal brand is like the guiding light of everything he's built. And of course, like it's so strong because of what he's built. But, you know, if someone asks you the CEO of X company, uh, some, you know, you can name some of the biggest companies in the world and you probably wouldn't know like who they are, their personality, like what they do, because they're not, you know, they're not building their personal brand for the for that particular reason or for someone like Gary Vaynerchuk or Elon Musk in context. And early on, I just always had such a, a strong, um, I just, I guess I could say buy into building a personal brand because it's the one thing a personal brand is it's it's forever, right? Like you can't sell your personal brand, right? It, of course, you know, like the Jay-Z quote, he's like, I'm not a, a businessman, I'm a business man, right? This idea of like, you are a business. I think it's it's such a true statement, but if I was to give like critical, or I should say tactical key points here, you know, every year I feel like I learn so much about the best ways to do it. And there's always shifting strategies with different content. You know, I, of course, right now, and just at a high level, personal branding, in my opinion, is showcasing yourself in the most authentic way online. And by doing that, you need to put out content. Oh, what are the ways to put out content? I think right now, obviously, short form content is huge. And you'll see, you know, sort of my playbook that I, I see a lot that's working is just, you know, in the spirit of podcasting, so many of these people, do you want to get your message out there? Go be on five, 10 podcasts. Or if you're a host yourself, host a podcast because the ability to take long form content and to chop that up in short form content to redistribute across all platforms, of course, easier said than done, um, is such a powerful thing. And I think expedites a lot of that quote unquote content creation mm -hmm. to just take conversation and amplifying that because you get so many tidbits and key points from that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think nowadays if you're someone that has a business or you've been thinking about building a personal brand, 
the best time to get started is today, right? Because we could all reflect into it. And I do this myself, right? Like, oh, I should have been putting out more content. I should have been putting out more content. I think everyone can fall into that category if, if it's something that is important to them. But the, the truth is, you just have to build out a system, like truly put effort into it and document your process. Like the content I put out today and even just, you know, what I talk about on podcasts is much different than when I was putting out content at 18. Mm-hmm. And I think just, it, you, you can't attach yourself to this version of you so strongly on social where I have uh, some friends that, you know, they would always say like, don't make your personal brand about your company because when you, when you lose your company, not lose, or maybe you sell it, maybe you shut it down, whatever it may be, like you can lose yourself. You can lose your identity. So it's like, how are, like, what do you stand for? Right? Like what, what makes you unique? Not like you and, you know, the, the correlation to your company always, but like what, what is it about you that people want to know? Like for me, the past year, I've been putting out a lot of more content about fitness. And you said this at the beginning from documenting my marathon to doing things like 75 hard, because that's just kind of what I'm doing. And I think showcasing that is just, it, it represents me. And not only as a, uh, from a, the, the perspective of fitness, but just how I think and how that is applied to business. I think anyone can understand, right? Like if you see someone that's taking their health seriously, t- ch- chances are that in business they're taking that seriously mm-hmm. and they, they have the discipline in all aspects. If, um, if you know, you're, you're, you're treating yourself and your body with priority. And I think that's for me, something important that I like to showcase now. And, um, you know, it, again, like you, you have to be willing and able to just document the current version of you because that changes and you have to allow that instead of putting yourself in a bucket and sticking to that and, you know, marrying that in a sense. Well, so I, I love all of that. That's so powerful. I'm, I'm jumping in real quick. Cause there's at least three or four bits that we're going to be clipping and running with. I love all that insight there, Casey. Go ahead, Cole. Well, what I like, Casey, is, you know, I'm very much, and and then we've talked about this a lot in the podcast, and and people that know me very well, I I, I portray myself pretty much the same to everybody. Like, you you won't meet somebody that says, Cole is this way, you know, Cole's like this, and then the next person will be like, what? I've never seen that side of him. And that's your, (laughs) that is kind of your personal brand, right? To an extent, it's, but it's it's changed over time. Like I'll go, you know, and I'm speaking to the personal brand, the message you're talking about. I'll, I'll go talk to people that I knew 10 years ago, let's say, when I was in high school or going into college. And they'll be like, man, you've changed a lot, but you haven't changed a lot, but you have changed a lot. And it's and it's kind of like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you're still really outgoing and, and loud and energetic, but you've got two kids and you don't party a lot anymore, and you don't drink anymore, wow, okay, like you used to be doing, be the one doing the keg stand and that sort of thing. And from what I hear you talking about, and I, I'm, I'm making that example because I think what's really cool about your message about personal branding is that it's not just tying yourself to one thing. It's it's actually being able to to not only communicate, but to show, show your journey and what's going on in your life and what's important to you and doing that across multiple different facets of your life and hey i just want to brand myself on this is everybody's going to know me as cole runs this company well when he's not that company anymore do they actually know me do do i know cole or he only wants to do fitness and all he cares about is fitness but now that i stopped posting workout videos do i know cole who who is he so what i'm hearing you say is some of your advice to the personal branding side of things is is to not just limit yourself to showing one part of your life or one part of your journey. It's, you know, being okay with showing multiple layers and explaining yourself. So that way you get that same thing as, well, you kind of are the same, but you're different, Mm -hmm. right? I know who Cole is, but he might not drink a ton of alcohol anymore. He might not go out and, and, you know, you know, stumbling through the streets after he went out to six different bars but I still know you, but you're just different. And so that's why I, I hear you talking about the personal branding. It's kind of like that journey and not just pigeonholing yourself and saying, this is the only thing I want to be known for. Absolutely. No, that's spot on. Yeah, I mean, piggybacking on all of that, really to, to simplify things, it's being authentic and vulnerable. I mean, and that's what you've been excelling at, Casey, and, you know, following you for the last six months to a year, like you have been kind of showcasing a little bit of different content from who you were, you know, two or three years ago. And that's awesome to see. I mean, any person 
out on social media wants to kind of buy into someone that is just being true to themselves and kind of showing who they are and kind of growing with them because they can kind of take that mindset and be like, well, this is what Casey's done. This is what Cole's done. This is what Hayden's done. And they don't necessarily care about everything that we are doing, but they want that blueprint so they can incorporate it themselves and grow and become yeah. the best version. So I love hearing that. I appreciate it. No, absolutely. I'm going to segue into a question because I feel like, because I, I don't want to, I don't want to run over too much on time, Hayden. And then you probably have like five or six more questions, but I'm going to hit him with this, Casey, because I think this is, this is a good segue. You know, what's next for Casey Adams? What are you working on right now? What, what are you, what are you excited about? Because, you know, you exited media kits. You've got an unbelievable podcast and show. You're creating some phenomenal content. You know, I, I'm a very picky content watcher. Like I, I don't, I don't waste myself my time with bullshit. Like if, if it's not giving me something, I'm posting pictures and videos of my daughters, my wife, or some clips about how I'm helping others, and I'm not paying attention to all the BS. But there are very specific people that I like to pay attention to. You, you're one of them because I think your journey is awesome, and it provides, it provides something I can like feel good about listening and watching. So. You know, you've got a lot of things going on. We've talked about, you know, X, Y, Z. But what are you excited about? Like, and, and this can be personal. It can be personal, professional. I mean, what is, what's Casey yeah. getting up going? Like, let's get started today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I, I think, too, just as a podcaster myself, I love that question. Like, what are you excited about? And I think it's it's so important for, for people because it, it's like there could be so much going wrong in someone's life, but like what what keeps them excited and what keeps them going? I think it's such a powerful thing. So I, I think from a right now, I think just even in this time of you guys interviewing me, you know, it's May 22nd. I think this is good context to the question is uh, I've been doing this mental toughness challenge 75 hard. Mm -hmm. Are you guys familiar? Yeah. I'm trying so to get my been, wife to do it with me. And she's like, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> so I, I've been doing this program since February, I actually, I completed 75 hard on May 6th and I was back home in Virginia for, for my mom's birthday. It was actually on her birthdays when I finished, I didn't plan that, but it just happened. I was back home and I was finishing up and as I was finishing up, and I think we all experience this, not only as humans, but as, as entrepreneurs or in business, right? Like you can get to a point where you can realize not not only how much you've grown, but you think of your actions like, wow, I know what I'm capable of. Like, why would I settle for less? Whether mm -hmm. that's a time in a race, whether that's, you know, what you do in a day, or whether that's, you know, um, like what you're learning, whatever it may be, it's weight in the gym, right? Like if you have grown as a person, you have new standards. And for me, I didn't plan this, but I am excited about just the consistent pursuit of of growth from a mentality perspective in in the health aspect for one reason because for for context again and this is where I was going I'm currently still doing 75 hard I'm on I'm on day 91 but I don't like even saying that like that wasn't my goal I've I, I finished and the next day I felt that why would I not drink a gallon of water a day when right. I know it's great for me? Mm -hmm. You know, like why, why would I not read 10 pages in a book? If I know I have, if I'm capable of that and I've been doing it for 75 days, known like non-negotiables, uh, why would I not hit the gym? And if it's not hitting the gym, going on a 45 minute walk to get extra steps in. And you know, that time always provides me with clarity and time to listen to something I enjoy, whether that's music or a podcast or call friends, business partners, you name it. And I just started asking myself, like, why would I stop doing this? Why would I stop doing that if I know that A, I'm capable and B, all those things added up for this for the challenge make me feel great and accomplished outside of all the other work I'm doing in the mm -hmm. business context, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it on day 76. Okay, like committing to each and every day. And then I'm, you know, I'm on day 77, I'm, I'm committing to it that day. And then I'm committing it to it on day 78. And, you know, fast forward over two and a half weeks now, and, and I'm still doing it. And it's, it's in this cool mental time, late, like time zone, where I, that's how I describe it, where I don't, you know, it's not about, quote, unquote, 
failing anymore. It's not even about the challenge, even though I'm still doing every single task on the challenge. It's just about capabilities and just setting the standard. And, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that that's cool and what that I am excited about from this experience particularly is I've had the opportunity to have Andy Frisell on my podcast before. And back when I was 18, I interviewed him. We've stayed in touch. I visited him in St. Louis once. And when I finished, he actually invited me on his podcast, which I'm going on June 8th. So I'm going on St. Louis. Excited about that because I think it's, you know, it's a full circle moment of having done the program, you know, twice now, and then now being able to share my experience and journey. So my sort of uh, not only excitement, but reasoning is like, I'm just going to keep the ball rolling, like committing to each day until I see him when I'm there, commit to it. And I think I'm excited about that. Not, not for the sense of the challenge, but because of like the compound effect, whether that's that program or training for a marathon. Like last December, I ran my first marathon and I know I'm talking a lot about these health aspects, but it's really bled into every other area of life of just the discipline to get better, the discipline to, you know, to train for a marathon and having that regimen in place and having that like big daunting thing on the calendar, I think can be so easily correlated to business when it, whether that comes to a launch date and making sure everything goes well, making sure you're extra prepared, similar to a race. So I I've been, you know, excited about just the correlation of pushing myself in the physical aspect, because by just by doing that, it's allowed me to push myself even more from a business perspective. And I think just being 22 and like laying the foundation of habits and, you know, uh, like what I'm capable of, not even from an age perspective, but it's just so easy to fall off track, it's exciting. I think. And yeah, I'm excited to just uh, keep hammering away day by day. Dude, um, and it gets me excited because like what what's better than saying like what is more rewarding or like uh, what's the word? Uh, the pot, <laughs> this positive outlook of like I can get better. Like, what is more rewarding than that thought? It's like, I'm not at my best yet. Because you, if you're feeling really good and you're just like, I feel really good, I'm having a great day, but I can do more, I can get better. And the, and the, the optimism and the positivity and the and you're like, like you're saying, I'm 22 and you're like, I can get better. Like, I can learn more. Like, I can get better. I, you know what I mean? Like, the, I, this is, this is now not about a challenge, is that I feel great. And I think as human beings, we tend to, to know what's great for us and then not do it. We tend to know what's going to be awesome and make us feel better and still not do it. And so like, I just love that you're like, oh, you know, like I'm not, I'm over, I'm done with the challenge, but it's, and it's not about the challenge. It's like, I've built a lifestyle and I know like, okay, this stuff is good for me. It's, it's flowing into everything. And I'm sure like, you're getting this, like a, this, what is this? Like a endorphin rush of like, man, I can get better. Like I'm already, I'm already pretty good. And it's like, Go way I can go higher than this. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that for sure. I want to be respectful of your time, uh, Casey. I just want to ask you one or two more questions, and then we'll wrap things up. Um, I, I really enjoy your your entire story. I mean, as we've been talking about uh, marketing or personal branding, kind of who you are as a person is you're not one dimensional. You know, your identity is not just one thing. You know, you're a businessman, you're a fitness enthusiast, you've got a lot going on um, and you, you showcase all of that. And I think that's what the next wave of creators is all about. It's not, oh, Casey, when I think of Casey Adams, he's this person. Casey actually has all these different elements and aspects of his life that he's highlighting to whomever chooses to consume his content. And I think that's something that's really special. Like that is a secret ingredient to success. Mm -hmm. So kind of tooting your, your horn there really love kind of how you're identifying and displaying your personal brand. And Cole and I are working on that personally too. Um, but be besides that, I do just want to kind of get your, uh, immediate thoughts on, maybe more so the downsides of being a content creator or personality, again, whatever word you want to choose to categorize it as, there is a lot of hate out there or negativity. How do you, Casey, deal with some of that stuff? You know, it's a great question. I will say in the spirit of just analyzing my footprint on social, I transparently, I don't get a lot of hateful comments. And, you know, on one side of the token, it's okay. I need to grow so that, you know, I, I do in the context of like the more, you know, the more people have the opportunity to tear you down, whatever. But 
you know, I, I think if I do receive something that is hateful or whatever it may be, it's just about not only just blocking it out, but like spend time focusing on the people that appreciate you and just the, so all of the other things are irrelevant. Not, and you know, unless they have like real, if they're just, if you're a bad person, you did something bad and then people are hating on that, like that's one thing. But if you're putting out great energy, you're documenting your journey, you're being authentic, you're, you're sharing um, content that you're excited about, you know, there's no room or time to waste, in my opinion, on, you know, fighting or even like giving energy to people that are trying to tear you down. And if I do, it's like, appreciate the comment, have a wonderful day, right? Like, it, that's just, you. in my opinion, you know, you see that a lot with someone like Gary Vaynerchuk. It's like taking hate and spinning it to be positive and reinforcing. You know, I know he'll showcase something sometimes where people will leave hateful comments. He'll drop a comment back and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I was just having a bad day, right? Like, that whole thing. But I, I think just overall on social, like one thing that I, I was talking about recently with a friend is, and I, I we can all get better at not only how we produce on social, but the consuming part where, you know, we all go through times when we're scrolling and we find ourselves just in these rabbit holes. And I've always just been of the mindset of every time I go on social, I try to uh, focus on my inputs. And that doesn't always have to mean putting out content and scheduling content. It could simply mean like, oh, I see a an Instagram story from a friend of mine that posted something that they care about. Like, let me send them a thoughtful message and like congratulate them for launching something or ask them a question and see how I can be helpful and like respond instead of just, you know, mindlessly viewing and viewing and viewing and viewing different pieces of content that sort of all mesh together. And I think that's always been my approach to social where if I look at like my, the way I spend time on social, it's always about, you know, oh, if I read a Twitter thread, like let me engage and and try to invite someone th that was thoughtful on my podcast and send them a DM and then maybe go check out a couple of tweets that they did and, you know, get an understanding of them and maybe subscribe to their podcast and like be intentional about the actions I'm taking from social versus just mindlessly scrolling where it all condenses into this like one, you know, um, never ending timeline of people that you don't care about, you're not talking to and just all these things. So for me, when it comes to how we how I can get better and what I try to spend time on is just like how am I putting more output into my time on social when I do spend time on it and it's usually about like sending messages to people obviously putting out content one thing getting back to people connecting people that I think should meet in certain you know business opportunities so that's why I I think is a it's a great tactic or just even strategy to implement if you do find yourself you know wanting to be a better creator but also a better person on in terms of this uh, the social media is just focus on your inputs because that's all you can control and instead of just you know scrolling endlessly like find time to or create time to be intentional that's a beautiful perspective casey uh and i think you're highlighting you know how to build a successful uh community uh filled with lots of engagement uh one last question for you uh, and this is somewhat philosophical we like to ask a lot of our guests cold don't worry about this what is one piece of advice you would look back and give to your younger self and then a piece of advice you'd like to give to your future self? I love that. I like the dual ended <laughs> question. You know, <clears throat> I would say advice to my younger self would definitely be, you know, one of the reasons or just um, the actions that I believe I took when I was younger were all about putting myself out there, putting myself out there from going to an event, putting myself out there from doing all these, you know, Instagram stories, pieces of content, you name it, like just showing up was so important to me. And I think my advice to my younger self would just be to amplify that and say, show up more. Like if you're someone like myself and everyone comes from different walks of life, but I had, you know, I don't want to say no opportunities, but no business relationships. No, I didn't know a soul outside of the East Coast in terms of like the West Coast. And now considering I, I live in California, I have a girlfriend, like I built this life for myself. It That all came from just putting myself out there and, and just being um, open-minded to the opportunities that can come from sometimes things that, you know, don't seem so clear. So the simple advice was just be, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and be optimistic about what can happen through being vulnerable and you know just 
getting uncomfortable in situations. Cause I think, and even to summarize that, it just be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, if, if I, if I look at my life and where I've grown the most, I can always relate it to moments of being very uncomfortable. Right. And again, just a core running a marathon, right? Like the most I ever ran prior to running the marathon was 19 miles, which is a lot, but then, you know, getting to that starting line and being uncomfortable, but excited, you know, by the end of that, I, I, grew so much. I talk about it on podcasts as I'm doing now. And like, that was a moment of extreme growth and extreme discomfort. And I think this find more moments of being uncomfortable for, for my younger self and all aspects of, you know, approaching people in a room uh, at an event that you're scared to go talk to, or maybe that's a girl, like whatever it may be, like just embrace that because I think it's so powerful. Um, to do, especially while you're young. And it's something that I would tell myself. And now for the other side, you know, I think about, I think about death a lot, this idea of death and, you know, the, the shortness or how long life is, however people want to perceive it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, my advice for my future self is just to be present every single day and to be intentional, not only with your time, but who you spend it with. And I try to live by that now, but you know, I, I've interviewed a lot of successful people and not even time or who you spend it with. A, an extension to that is just stay curious about the world, stay curious about the people you spend your time with and about who they are. Because I can't tell you how many times, you know, we, we, have, and I'm sure you can relate, you, you're friends with someone for a while and hopefully like you keep learning about them over time. You start to realize like, wow, there's people in my life that I consider close. I, I always learn something from them. And I think just being curious about the people in your life, the people that you're meeting, uh, strangers, um, and just the world, like that curiosity is something that um, when I sat down with Larry King um, in 2019, you know, this was a conversation where I was 19, he was 86, 87 years old. And I asked him about his legacy and he wanted to, you know, inspire the people through his conversations. But he talked about just this idea of, being a, an intentional listener and, you know, viewing the world from a lens of curiosity. And I think that that absolutely impacted me. And I think that um, it's something that I would just continue to tell myself into, uh, you know, into the future. So I'm going to give him the award right now, the best answer to that question we've had so far. Sorry to our previous guests. That was my favorite. Uh, and, and, love I've, and I've got, we, we I love our previous guests. I've built, you know, Hayden and I have built personal relationships with. So they'll get it. They'll probably agree with me <laughs> with the best answer so far. Um, but I, I want to just, and, and, and then we'll wrap up. I, I just want to kind of call out those two things because I think the the advice to your previous self, I love that. Um, you know, I, I think I, I we live our lives by that. I try to each and every day is, you know, you put yourself out there, sometimes you're going to fall flat. But a lot of the times just putting yourself out there, whether it's producing content, whether it's meeting new people, whether it's going to an event, whether it's leading a meeting that you don't want to lead, whether it's going on a date that you're scared to go on, whether it's going out somewhere and doing something that you're you're not used to or trying something new, the more you do that, the the more doors open, right? The more luck you get. Because you're 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 spreading your wings. You're you're figuring out, you're getting more and more inputs. And like you said, when you were doing that, when you were doing the podcast, you didn't really know what doors that was going to open. I mean, let's go back 20 minutes ago when you said 37 of your angel investors, right? 37, most of them were from you doing the podcast. Well, guess what? You yeah. put yourself out there and you built those relationships. Um, so I, I love that. And I love the the be curious and and why what and, and be curious and be intentional with who you're talking to and what you're and listening and engaging why I love that is because, and this is the number one reason, is because you, when you really get to know somebody, you understand them way more deeply by asking the right questions and letting them talk and, and say, hey, where are you from? Like, how many kids do you have? Like, what do you like, what do you like to do for fun? Well, what, you know, how's work going? Have you had a long day? I mean, questions like that, like most people will say are, oh, they're just small talk. I mean, it's just, I don't want to do small talk, but it's like, you people love to be listened to and heard and tell yeah. their story. And the more you do that, the more genuine relationships you'll have. And 
I just love that you're you're putting that out there for your future self is like I think we can all continue to get better at that 100%. Absolutely. Well, Casey, we really appreciate your time, your insights, your story. Thank you. Thank you. You're a very genuine person. A lot to learn. We hope everyone that tuned into today's episode really enjoyed it. Again, you can check out more of Casey's work uh, by tuning into his podcast called The Casey Adams Show, as well as following him on social platforms. Casey, anything else you'd like to plug before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I would... You're spot on, you know, the Casey Adams show podcast and all platforms. And I think, I think just one thing to note that in the spirit of people that listen this far on the podcast, um, and you know, we'll, we'll talk after, but a new project that I recently launched is built for podcasters and it's called listener.fm. And it's a new AI podcasting tool that really I built for myself. That's saving me lots of time. And it really automates the post-production process for podcasters. So if you're out there and you have a podcast and or you know someone that does definitely check that out but other than that yeah definitely stay connected with me on on all things social and um yeah always here to answer any questions absolutely thank you casey thank you all for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys next time thanks guys